Hey there, friends and family of Berta Bremen. Welcome to the live Berta Bremen post-game show. It is chaos, and for those wondering, because now we've had a couple people ask from before, uh, that was Black Label Society, Fire It Up, which is a great band to listen to if you are a bunch of rednecks out at a bush party or if all of your friends are bikers. Also an excellent option. Uh, so yeah, there, there's that. This is the show by the fans for the fans. And if you're new to the show, uh, we do host the live podcast every Sunday after the league matches are done on the Podbean app. So if you've got the Podbean app, feel free to... Uh, join us when we go live. You can jump into the chat room uh, and or call into the show. Usually we don't have time to do that, but today is a special situation, which we will get to in just a moment. Uh, so if you're, you know, if you're too busy, you got stuff going on, you can always find this as a podcast on uh, piles of different podcast platforms. If you go to the website, you can see which ones and where we're available. If you want to reach out to us on Twitter, uh, you can find Christian at SVWOMYTFC and myself at Not Easy Green. Send larger bits of mail to Not Easy Green 2017 at gmail.com. Um, and I guess other than that, there are lots of places to get involved. As always, go to the link tree, link tree backslash Verter NA, L A N K T R dot E E backslash Verter NA. And you can access everything that we're doing there. So um, as some of you might know, and those of you that are listening to uh, this post, <laughs> post-production, post um, Christian is not with us today. So unfortunately, the humor is now left the building. Uh, Sooner has got a job apparently to do. So that, whatever that is, has left the building. So <laughs> all you're left with is uh, Mr. Facilitator and Business Brain. So uh, I can't promise a lot of laughs, but I can promise uh, probably some structure. And that's, that's about, now you know what I bring to the show, and that's about it. But uh, just to kind of kick thing off, uh, you know, the right way, the other day, I guess during the game, Dustin uh, posted in there that Verter looked so flaccid uh, on, on offense. And I thought, gosh, golly, that's probably a pretty good way to describe it. And so I thought to myself, self, there's probably a song in there somewhere. So this is for everybody in the back. Get ready. Verder flaccid. It's limp. They cannot win. They can do a helicopter, but they just can't stick it in. Verder flaccid. They've become a chore. If you want a great laugh, ask them to drop their drawers. And so that's for everybody out there that had to endure and watch the game on Saturday. Verter Flaccid, I believe, is a great name uh, that maybe the branding team over there can pick up and start putting onto shirts. King Ian is here. Hey, King Ian. That uh, that might not be a bad shirt. <laughs> I'll let you decide what the, what the imagery is going to be. <laughs> All right, well, let's kick things off here. So Verter traveled away from home to Stuttgart to face one of the hottest teams in the Bundesliga. Last season, Stuttgart were battling it out in the relegation playoff, and this season they look to set European aspirations. But I'm sure you've heard enough of the Stuttgart porn when Sooner was on last week. Uh, so just about, though, you know, I, I honestly thought that maybe we had invited Travis from the Stuttgart uh, Americano podcast on. Uh, you know, so on to the exploits and the successes of Werder Bremen. 
And that about sums it up. So Werder basically embarrassed themselves yesterday, falling 2-0 to Stuttgart. The loss in itself, I believe, was very much expected. The spectacular fashion in which they played played 90 minutes of deplorable, half-hearted, poorly thought out, non-committal, underachieving, horrific, ghastly, distressing, atrocious, shameful, unseemly, deficient, discommoding, annoying, and painful football. The team was sent out on the wrong foot by their intrepid leader, Ole Werner, by starting a back line that had most fans scratching their heads. It would be within minutes obvious that starting Agu left him in well over his head, but Ole wouldn't even make the change at half time. The rest of the game plan was laid out as though we were taking on a third tier team in the DFB Pokal, as we pressed the shit out of, well, ourselves. Untimely turnovers, turnovers, spacing, poor passing, lousy movement, bottling minimal chances, sluggish running, slow defense, playing a high line, and yes, even goalkeeper distribution made it to just a few of the reasons why Werder were unable to represent anything close to a football team on the weekend. They were there, they were wearing jerseys, but this wasn't a football team. So as mentioned, uh, I am without my trusted friends this episode, which sort of means that the format of the show needs to change a little bit. Um, as posted, you know, my goal is going to be to make the show a, a bit of this episode, a bit of a call in show. I've got plenty of material to go through, uh, and I can kind of, you know, if the event that there are no calls, I can just ramble on, but, um, as best as I can, I do want to try to, uh, prioritize what you have to, t- to say on today's show. So this is your opportunity. Um, and just to kind of set the mood here, <laughs> whatever mood that might be, uh, but to kind of set the the atmosphere or the the vein or the lane in which we're going to kind of center our discussions. Um, as I was reading through Twitter and, and for and our Discord uh, reports from the media after the game, um, it really became painfully obvious that Verder's fans have once again made another large shift into the camp, quote unquote, the camp of the pissed off. Um, this particular clan seems to be growing slowly over time. And then every once in a while, an event happens that moves larger swaths over all at once. And, and yesterday, uh, was one of these events. So in our discord, the chef asked the question, um, and that I would like to put it to those listening live. And of course, those listening on the podcast afterwards, the question is simple, but it is fully loaded. Can this team be saved. Um, and this is what I want to discuss with you today. So give me a call, answer the question. Can this team be saved uh, from there? I mean, we can chat a little bit about what areas you think need to be addressed. I mean, obviously anybody listening, anybody that's been following the team knows that there's no, you know, silver bullet. Um, and there's piles of offshoot conversations that can be had, but we'll try and keep it a little bit straightforward and understand uh, that there is a ton of built-in nuance, and uh, we'll try not to pigeonhole anybody. Uh, so give me a call. Like I said, I've got lots of material, um, but I'm going to turn the switch over here right now uh, to for calls, and you can interrupt me whenever you want, um, and I'll fill the dead air, and dead air, and I guess you guys can can do the rest. So the question: Can this team, can this organization, be? Saved. So that's the topic of the day. So as we get into that conversation, I did want to talk a little bit about uh, how the game went yesterday. And uh, yeah, King Ian, I just saw that. Olymp Ole. Like, so <laughs> if the, you know, Verter flaccid with maybe Ole just kind of 
standing there, but bent at the waist and kind of <laughs> hanging over or something, I think might be a, might be good imagery. Um, so discussing tactics and how we played uh, the game yesterday, uh, Werner opted for a number of bold decisions, which uh, is putting it kindly. Bold can be described in a few different ways. Um, bold can be complimentary. Uh, someone who's, you know, fearless, puts their stamp on a situation, you know, kind of having calculated the outcomes they've chosen then to, to believe in themselves and their methods and then strode forward in their conviction. So even if the result isn't ultimately what they wanted on reflection, most people see that the individual was right to believe in their abilities, but, you know, just came up short. The other version of bold is used as a substitute for the word fool. Like around here, someone say, yeah, yeah, you, you could do that. <laughs> or bold decision there. Uh, th th this is the context in which I use the word bold in connection with Werner. Deciding to press high up the pitch against a team who plays through balls to one of the most deadly strikers in the league is bold. Starting a goo on the left flank, having played a combined 36 minutes over two games this season. Better better yet, how, how about try this one on? Um, somewhere in here I've got in my notes. A total of 82 minutes since the start of last season. Okay? Starting a goo on the left-hand flank, that's, that's bold. Advancing a goo in line with the strikers during the build-up play, uh, and then expecting Bittencourt and Young to hold down the fort against Silas, on the counter was was bold. I think it <laughs> I think it could be considered bold to leave Stark out of the starting lineup. Regardless, yeah, he gave away a penalty, which I would probably liken to sending a cold player into a fast-paced game. Also bold. Uh, and and Zeddy really not helping us out in that particular situation either. Um, I think it was bold to try to play out the back uh, to a team that likes to press. Uh, also bold to, to move the midfield way up the field while trying to play out of the back. In short, Stuttgart found most of the most of the spaces to play due to these very bold decisions. Our left flank was repeatedly punished by Silas uh, with the huge space left from an over-advanced Agu. Our midfield was overrun by Stuttgart, pulling our man-to-man -man press out to the flanks and then dropping strikers into the wide open spaces as has been done by every competent team since last season when Bayern showed the world how to beat it. <laughs> our, our offense couldn't generate much for pressure due to wayward passing and a midfield disconnected from the defense. And what offense we did have was pushed to the outer wings where crossing became the only methodology of scoring a goal with Bore and Dukes as the targets. Bold. The whole game was a symphony of bold. It's, it's difficult to understand how a coach at this level answers for a performance like that and still believes that he has what it takes to tackle the rest of the season. It's it's hard to understand how the players can look at a performance like that and not begin to question some of the tactics and instructions that they've been following. 
But what we get is a patronizing, we tried, the things didn't come off, the plans didn't seem to work, everything we tried failed, and I guess we'll just have to get up for next game. I don't understand the invincible ignorance that seems to be coupled with this team. So what is it about this game that has got so many fans upset? You know, there's, there's of course, the obligatory fan response that (laughs) I have to refrain. Like, I I literally have, I'm not because I wouldn't mind being handcuffed every once in a while, but literally have to keep my hands off my phone when I see a response from somebody like, we didn't expect to get points out of, you know, out of this game. So what's the big deal? It, it's, it's funny how this sort of, we didn't expect to get points and we didn't. So what's the, what's the big deal? I, they didn't even play. It it was as if they weren't even, it was as if there was absolutely no football intelligence on display wearing our colors. You know, it's, it's, it's funny how this, this sort of thing happens, but a certain amount of resentment builds up over time, uh, or, or perhaps maybe the last bit of patience is, is expended. This, this is totally normal when there's a team in decline, but when you have such a poor showing irrespective of the projected result, I think it takes a much larger chunk out of what remaining patience is there and for, and for fans who who only have a little bit left this loss and the way in which this team lost bumped them into a a whole new category there there are people such as myself you know they the old, I understand why they wrote everybody's working for the weekend cuz that's what most of us are doing we're grinding through the week to get to Saturday Sunday and you know what a part of that very special time I allot two hours, two and a half to do this show. Fuck. I put about five hours into every show. I like this team. I love this team. And I like the fan base. I love the community that we've got here, but my God, don't insult me. We don't, don't insult the effort fans put in every week, the passion they bring every weekend to, to watch that. Come on. Now, granted, local local Verter fans, I, I I think they seem to move through the stages or the categories, if you will, um, you know, a little bit slower than some of those uh, some of those of us in North America. But but you know, I wanted to take a look at some of the various stages of a fan whose team is in decline. So the first stage everybody winds up at. This is almost like. <laughs> Uh, stages of depression. or something. <laughs> the first stage is patience, right? Everybody hits the first stage. Team isn't doing so well. Let's have patience, guys. Got to have patience. Give them more time. Give them more time, right? That's the first stage. There are still, there are still fans <laughs> of murder in the patience category. And I think we need to recognize that. I don't know how, but, but they're there. Okay. And, and after the patience runs out, we move to anger. That's always the, that's always the second part of it. And, and, and there was a number of us 
uh, that were in this category. I mean, I think I live in this category most days uh, with this team, but anger becomes the second one. When the patience has run out, we now get emotionally angry at the situation. Again, we start looking at us being like, why can't something be done? Something must be done. And I think right now, the bulk of the Verter community has begun to shift into this category. The third one is kind of a schadenfreude. And, and we're beginning to see this crop up, not just in the Discord, but on uh, social media, where the team you cheer for, you're beginning to hope for negative results, embarrassment, face plants, pie-in-the-face results, so that something changes. They've worn out the patients. I, I'm, I'm angry, but I'm past angry. Now I actually want bad things to happen. And we, we've seen it now a number of times in comments. I really hope that Verter gets absolutely embarrassed for the rest of this year because it's the only way that something could possibly happen to shake things up. Schadenfreude, this, this particular area, you move here, you get here when you realize you, you start asking the question, what will it take? And we've been seeing that question come up a lot. What is it going to take for something to change? What is it going to take for someone to do something? To, what is it going to take for the supervisory board to do something? For, for, for people in positions of power to recognize the situation, understand their power, and that they have a responsibility to do something about it, when does that happen? And when we begin to realize that, that they won't pull the trigger in light of a litany of evidence that they need to be doing something, once we've passed that, that's when we move into hoping that something terrible happens because obviously the people in charge, it, it, it hasn't gotten bad enough. Now, the scariest part is what happens after we move from Schadenfreude, when we've gone past hoping for bad things to happen. And this is the thing, this is the, honestly, if we, when we talk about the survival of the club, now granted, like I said, the show is uh, gonna be a little bit different today. This is my, <laughs> uh, Sooner had said that he was kind of looking forward to a retro show. So, <laughs> so for those of you that have joined us uh, since Christian came on and Sooner came on, uh, you may not be used to this format. But what it used to be was about 45 minutes of me yelling <laughs> and then we would shut it down. Um, <laughs> but this, when we start talking about the club, about the potential for success, about can this club be saved? This is the scary part. The move from the third rung to the fourth or from the third category to the fourth. And a team like Verta Bremen cannot afford for its fan base to move from the third. It's bad enough that there's a, there's people in the third category. It's bad enough. But the fact that there is an opportunity awaiting us all to move into the fourth category, that is bad news for Verter. And the fourth category is apathy, where you just don't care. Now, why is that the worst? Because this is where you start watching the dissolving of a fan base where the fan base just just gets it's gone it just evaporates 
and you look back behind you after five or six years and you ask the question, what happened? The reason I say that Verter is in a really bad place is because, I mean, and, and this, I'm going to move into something uh, different here that I thought was just really interesting that came up uh, in the Discord. But with, with apathy, Verter doesn't, Verter is a brand. Verter is an established brand. The the elevation of that brand it it has been has been chipped away at over the last decade. There are still lots of people, lots of players, lots of areas um, where they think that Verter Bremen are still a big club. They are a traditional club. They still carry that brand. The problem is is that over the last ten years. How many of those, let's say, call them, you know, outer circle fans have we lost due to apathy? They're not in, who, name one person who would have been inspired to become a Werder Bremen fan from the performance yesterday. Name one. Name one fan, uh, <laughs> aside from Istvar. <laughs> Thanks, King Ian, I needed that. Who on earth? Could we show this season 13 games to sit them down in front and say, this is a team worthy of following? Huh? How many of those fringe fans are going to go right from watching that right to apathy? You know what? Don't care. There's nothing there for me to see. Where's the attraction? There isn't even effort being displayed. There isn't even attractive, you know, so we lost six to three. We, we you know, we play great offensive, fun football, right? Et cetera, et cetera. So the reason it's scary is that once the fan base starts moving into apathy, you've take, you're going to be taking a damaged brand and then you're going to begin undercutting not just the fringe fans, but now you're beginning to, to undercut your core fans. And this is where uh, a comment uh, today, actually, I think it was, it probably got lost in the mosh a little bit. That tends to happen on Discord. Pardon me a second. But yeah, so, sometimes on Discord, the, the chat just starts going and going and then you miss something. Uh, but but uh, Kopfennacken, uh, which I believe means head in neck, somebody from Germany or uh, that gets the nuance of that. I'll have to explain why I think that's funny. I, it just seems really funny. Um, I sent this message today, and I and I think it kind of um, I, I I think it got lost, and I want to reset it. So so here here was the post. They said if they lose the next three games, Ole should be out. If he's not then we'll be stuck with him until the summer. And then of course, if we aren't relegated, he'll probably stay. Oh, referring to doing shots. Gotcha. Okay. That's cool. Uh, and then the follow-up, this was the important part I wanted to key in on. I know some of you are fellow owners, members of the club. Sometimes I feel it's not worth it with this management team. It's pretty pricey. And though it's about the team, it gives me pause. Boom. What, what you just heard there is how this club collapses. When the people that are paying the fees for the association of being a Verter fan begin to say, as a shareholder, as a stakeholder, this is not worth my investment. 
what I'm observing, the way this company is being run, the way the product is being built, not a fan. I'm moving my money. It's bad enough that Werder Bremen are hemorrhaging fans that are on the outer ring. When we start having people that have put hard-earned dollars, right? Money, all, honestly, money is uh, one of the biggest telltales of anybody's anybody's heart, anybody's motivation, what they really care about. Where you put your money is a fantastic indication of where your heart is. It's an old proverb. When you've got people that have put their money because of their desire to identify with the club because they want to support yada yada when you've got people that have put their money and heart into something like this when they begin reconsidering their investment now we're talking about hemorrhaging core fans i don't give a shit that verta bremen is out in vietnam trying to gain fans like (laughs) what a i hope i (laughs) where are they going you I swear, you'd have to go to Vietnam and try to find places that have absolutely no cell service. Because anybody that's like, oh, Verta Bremen, cool. Yeah, you want a soccer ball? You want a jersey? Yeah, okay, let me just take out my smartphone here. I'm going to load this. Oh, you guys are shit. Okay, well, did you did you bring any Dortmund jerseys? Did you bring any Bayern jerseys? Uh, did you bring any Stuttgart jerseys? We'd like one of those. They are at the top of the table. They're a team that actually is competitive. Are you... Seriously. This is probably why they're not going elsewhere. I, I don't understand. H- how are you, what, what are you honestly pro- projecting? If, uh, if the cell coverage is great in Nam, well, then I guess Verter's screwed because any one of those kids is going to pick up a, a, a smartphone and find out how good Verter is, right? Thanks for the soccer balls. Thanks for the jerseys. We'll cheer, <laughs> we'll cheer for somebody else. And so what you've got is you've got a team that's got a product that they can't sell. So that means fringe fans are leaving and you're not bringing in new fans, no matter where you bring your product. And now you've got core fans beginning to reconsider their financial investment. Let's be serious. Well, I asked the question two weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago where I said, you know, would the fans of this club, would the ultras in this club uh, react so poorly to the idea of a financial investor that that they would be able to stop it. And most people said, well, you know, no. And of course, uh, Hess Grunwald said he doesn't need your uh, your blessing as fans before they do such a thing like that, which blows my mind. Uh, if you're a stakeholder, that seems ridiculous. Um, but that all aside, what I missed was this. What I missed was the statement uh, like what Kopfenacken had, had kind of put out there, you know? When, when people start going, you know, this is kind of pricey. Um, and I don't know if it's worth it with the way that this team is being managed. This this is, when we talk about uh, protest via financial means, uh, that's what this is. I mean, I, I it really does bring people to an interesting place, an interesting conflict, right? Where there's the club, there is the what the club has stood for. Um, you know, you want to invest in that. You want to contribute to that. There's what this club does for the the community, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, at what point in time is the way that this particular, um, this particular club being run at what point in time is it 
no longer okay to fund this? At what point in time is it no longer okay to prop this up? So I wanted to bring just those categories to you. Maybe you can find yourself in one of those categories. Um, by all means, I'd welcome you to go on Discord. Let me know what category you find yourself in. I would be very, very interested. I myself have not quite moved. I can't believe it, but I haven't quite moved into the uh, schadenfreude category. I'm still in the anger category. I have a very hard time wishing ill uh, or wishing for a calamity so bad. Um, but after, uh, after yesterday, um, I think I might be bumping into that third category where obviously the situation just hasn't gotten bad enough, which terrifying statement to make. Uh, but apparently the situation hasn't, uh, quite gotten bad enough just yet. All right, uh, we got a couple of different things we can move on to, uh, a couple of different topics and areas of uh, interest and in the news that we can get to. As mentioned before, uh, the call-in bit is open for those of you that are still fans of Verta Bremen that want to give a call in, feel free to do so. But um, I wanted to kind of just check, like about two weeks ago, I wanted to ask the question, where is Mitch? Um just visor he gave an and and this and this kind of officially made it where it's like okay i guess we got to talk about this he he did an interview uh last week with with Dijkstube, uh Dijkstube, and and it caught a decent amount of attention um now primarily and i know kevin hatcher uh went on i think he's <laughs> repeated this three times um yes the only man i can't stand uh I, I can't stand him as much as Ian can't stand Derek Ray. Um, but primarily uh, during the interview, uh, there was a part that that stuck out to me and obviously stood out to everybody else. Uh, the part where when he was asked about his career in Bremen and where he sees his future. Now, his response was basically, you know, hey, I'm ambitious. I'm waiting to be shown what, what that, that Verter is ambitious as well. Um, I mean... Come on, Visor's contract expires this summer. And with that, Verter is going to watch one of its most dynamic and creative players leave for free. But why would, uh, why would Visor start looking elsewhere? Okay, e even, if, even if he is ambitious, you'd have to think that he has it pretty good in Bremen. Big fish, small pond sort of situation. You know, take a minute and ask yourself, when the last time you remember Visor being a meaningful part of our offensive play? And you'd be right if you said about a year ago. So Visor this season has played 13 games, recorded one goal and one assist. He has taken 13 shots this season as well. Um, and it should be noted that since the Dortmund game where Ole made his kind of shift to that defense first sort of posture, uh, Visor has is, uh, is only a few tackles away in the last five games to equaling his total from the previous eight games, which is pretty substantial uh, when you think about it. He is now playing way more defensively, and it's starting to show in the numbers. So last season, uh, Visor had one of his best seasons ever, uh, finished off the year with two goals and nine assists, and was a dominant factor in the offensive buildup for Werder. Now, now the new defensive positioning has left him flex uh, flexing his offensive talents much, much less. Um, 
it would be one thing to say, you know, that the team as a whole has become more defensively stable. And it did seem that way for a little while, but Werder is right, kind of right back where it was before. In the first eight games uh, of the season, we let in an average of 1.875 goals against. Um, with the new defensive structure, we're letting in 1.66. The offense also shows a trend change, but in this one, it's for the negative. In the last two games, Werder has managed just four total shots on net. So while the defense has modestly improved, the offense is now beginning to flounder. And those of you that are long, well, I guess long enough uh, sports fans of, of Werder Bremen, you will recognize a pattern. This is literally, it seems to be a built-in Werder pattern. Uh, Skripnik went from decent offensive football to defensive football, unimaginative. Nuri, same, unimaginative defensive football. Kofeld moved to same defensive, unimaginative football right through until the end when we got relegated. Ole Werner, we are having the same situation. It's They shift to defense to tighten things up. Everybody gets a little bit happier because we're not getting run through like crazy with, the, of course, the exception of the last two games. But so the Dortmund game, uh, Dortmund kind of started the transition. So three games there where everybody was like, okay, okay, this could be done. We can handle this, you know? Yeah, we're a little bit more defensive, but we're still, we're, we're clipping in one or two goals. And if we play tight, we could probably see a few wins here. But the last two games, what you've seen now is that even that defensive quote unquote stability is now giving way to a complete lack of offense. So now we're, we're beginning to see the worst of both worlds and it's starting to get a little touch and go scary. So the interview with Visor, I thought was really interesting that you've got one of your core tenants within the team, one of your most creative players, one of the players that really does inspire the play on the field is basically saying, look, I'm ambitious. I don't get the sense that Verter is as well. You know, I might be dusting things off and going in a new direction. So again, oh, now it's going to, I was going to address another thing that kind of came up in, uh, on the discord. And again, you guys are making this probably the worst call in show of all time. I think, uh, was it, wasn't it, <laughs> wasn't it Paul that, uh, had said that you should do call ins more often? Well, this is why we don't. <laughs> Yeah, do we want to talk about how beautiful Werner is? I'm telling you guys, when Christian isn't here, the funny's gone. That's <laughs> he. That's why he is so incredibly important to this podcast. He keeps uh, keeps things light and interesting. So people were asking. Oh, hey, do you, like I said, Paul, you can interrupt me anytime you want. This I got piles of I got piles of stuff to get through, uh, but I'm going to prioritize uh, calls in. So if you want to call, give me a call. So people were asking, you know. Ole Werner, you know, he's not playing the, the, uh, I think it was, might've been Dustin in the chat during the game, kind of comparing Werner to the scene in Moneyball. There, there's this, um, there's a scene there where, where Billy Bean kind of confronts the coach uh, who kind of, he keeps playing this rookie star Pena at first base uh, instead of a guy named Hatterberg. And, and Bean wants Hatterberg playing because he gets on base more than Pena and increases their chances of winning. 
And that's why he signed Hatterberg in the first place. And Bean's comment to the coach is, you're not playing the team the way it was designed. And the coach says, well, look, I'm playing my team in a way that I can explain in job interviews next season. So Werner, and I, I believe that that is what, uh, what Dustin was alluding to. Now, Werner recently brought in uh, Johannes Jans um, from Red Bull, uh, from the Red Bull system. And, uh, and in this summer alone, I think he showed what he could possibly do um, for Werner. So for the first time this, this summer, Werner was getting associated with players outside of Germany. Uh, and it seemed like every single day there was a chance to do some research on a potential signing um, that we'd never heard of before. And, uh, you know, Werner explicitly targeted players. This is the first time that Werner explicitly targeted players outside of Germany uh, since Baumann and Fritz punted Steiten in uh, in 2019. So Werner, a broke football team without a cent to spare, spent $6 million on transfers this year. Um, you would, you would think that that would indicate a sizable investment and those players should be viewed as essential to the team. Verter can't afford 6 million in depth options. And uh, so I wanted to address the question, is Werner actually using the players that have been brought in? But we got Paul on the line. So we'll get back to that conversation in just a little bit. Paul, Hey, question was at the very beginning, what's up? Hey, can this team, can this organization be saved? It's not looking great right now. <laughs> Could they? Yeah, I mean, there's still time left. Of course. But do I have faith in them to do it? No, I don't. Well, who don't you have faith in? Um, not Ole Werner, that's for sure. Uh, no, but obviously Bauman and Fritz are the problem. We've all talked about it for weeks, months, years. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Bauman was never the answer. I mean, like how he even got them out of the second league is beyond me. Well, he's taken a lot of credit for that. So, I mean, it must be, must be his great, uh, his great skill set. Sorry, I'm guessing, I'm guessing it's Juan. So I got him on the line as well. I've just got him muted. So I'm just going to let you carry on here, Paul, and then we'll move over to Juan. Oh yeah. It looks like Sooner's actually on maybe, but it's not, it's not Sooner. It's, (laughs) Well, I can't, I don't know who in anybody is anymore. No, I know. <laughs> Myself included. So Paul, if, uh, if we change the coach, does it fix, does it fix the problem? I think the problem with that is obviously I think Werner's too naive to coach the team. He's too young. Maybe he could be a good coach someday. I don't know. Um, but I don't think he is good enough to get this roster out of the continual slide that they're in since the beginning of the calendar year it feels like i forget what the run-in during the rook runda was last year it was bad i know that but i mean they're what three eight and two so far this season like that's not good enough they're not scoring now too so yeah i think i think it was 21 points in the entire calendar year which incredible like I mean, I followed the league for a pretty long time, and if you did not get at least, I think people 34. would say 34, yeah, was yeah. like the cutoff. And do I see this team getting 34 points? Absolutely not. Yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about a coach right now that is performing at one point per game in the top tier. That gives you with... It doesn't even get you 34 points. No. <laughs> well, it I mean, it could if, if he got up to one, but... 
which I believe places, I believe that places him as the worst Werder coach of all time. I believe uh, Robin Dutt had 1.04, which again, that's, that's some uh, enviable company to keep. Well, I had hoped to never hear that name again, but uh, (laughs) the Mr. Bean doppelganger, I will say that (laughs) I guess I think Werner's team at least is a little bit better to watch, but not by much. Not by much. No, not anymore. Anyway, I yeah, I just don't know. I mean, I think kind of in an odd way, even though they're a mess at the back, they kind of do a bit better than they've done for a while. That's the only sort of positive I can see. And the fact that they have some okay youth players that they could use, but they just don't. That they just don't. Yeah. So there's very little every week to look forward to. It's just like, Maybe we can get a draw 1-1. Right. We're basically playing for single points again. Which sucks. Which... <laughs> well, Paul, you got a compliment. I believe that's from Le Chef. Your beautiful voice pleases the ear. <laughs> well, that's the first time I've ever heard that. I'll take whatever I can on this weekend. So, Can you can you lean into the mic and lick it for, uh, for Le Chef? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> wow well i guess that's all we've got left now is uh just mario memes and just being horny online <laughs> we're sad uh, all right paul i'm gonna move over to uh sooner verter which i think is uh, in disguise uh, you can either feel free to stay on the line we might come back to you uh, or oh, yeah, uh, sure. enjoy the rest of the show of course thanks for the call all right, Sooner Verter, if that is really you. It totally <laughs> is me. Yeah. <laughs> Juan, good to hear you again. Yeah. Yeah. In so, question, circumstances. Question to you. Can this club, can this organization be saved? Absolutely. We just uh we just have to get rid of whoever's making decisions at the club. Like all, how, how high does it go? Like when you talk, it sounds like you're saying blow it up. Yeah. Like whoever hires Bauman. Boda, I believe. And, and, and possibly whoever hires that person. <laughs> so the supervisor report. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So basically they, blow the whole damn thing up is what you're yeah, saying. They, they need to disappear. <laughs> It's just been so mediocre for so long and they just don't, they just let it be. They, I, I don't know. It's just, they, they, they're too slow to, to move on things and they wait till it's too late to make decisions. Like last time we got relegated. Or I guess when you're talking time, about the Kofeld decision then. Yeah. Like even, I mean. It's just every, every, I don't remember the last like genuinely like good coach we had. Oh, you have um, to go back to Schaff. Yeah, basically. And I mean, outside of that, they're just hiring. It feels like just either from within or just random, random people. Well, it, it does. Um, yeah. Like I was looking yeah. through the coaches as well uh, since Schaff. And uh, there's not a name there that inspires any confidence. And you do, you begin outside of Robin Dutt. Uh, Ole Werner is the first outside hire 
that they've had, I believe. Great, great hire that Robin dude. Oh, he's a, that's a, there should be a, I don't know, some kind of a, a bingo game. If we can get his name into, uh, into every episode somehow. <laughs> yeah, him and Cedric Macchiati. Or Macchiati. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, okay. 3 million we paid, 4 million we paid for him to have him. <laughs> yeah. Beauty, just a real beauty. Well, now he's coaching. So he's earning some of that uh, transfer fee now, right? Yeah. Sure. Again, a nice little incestuous relationship there. <laughs> <laughs> so aside from, so when you say blow it up, I mean, does a, we were talking with, uh, with Paul there, does, does a new coach get us through the season? Is that enough of a blow up, a new coach? Does this team, when you look at this team, uh, is it just an underperforming team or is this team actually this bad? I, I don't think the roster is this bad. I, I think the roster should have us more comfortably mid table rather than like just suffering every week and getting lucky that the teams right below us also are ass. Yeah, suck as much. Yeah. It literally is a yeah. battle of who sucks less. Yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I don't think just the roster is bad enough to get us relegated, but um, I, I think a, a new coach, yes, would, would help just for this season. But I think, Going into next season, um, I guess with Bauman leaving, I I think hiring Fritz is a huge mistake, and I I don't think they should necessarily hire someone from within at all. I think they should look outside. Well, I I hundred percent agree with you. I mean, when we when we take a look at again external input, um, Thomas Eichin, uh after he was sacked. Again, we wait all the way until this year uh, when Jans was hired before we get outside perspective being hired at Werder Bremen in, in, in positions where they can build a team. Which is incredible. Yeah. Again, it's, yeah. that's an incredible... <laughs> I mean, he is... Where's he at? He's at Leverkusen, right? And they're... Eichin? Yeah, he's, he's at Leverkusen stuff. now. Yeah. yeah. Well, they also took uh, Tim Steiden as well. Um, you know, it's, it just goes to show, and, and well, again, uh, oh, now I, I can't remember the guy's name here. Undav, uh, yesterday, you know, it just, it just, it's, it's a, it's an earmark on just vertebramen as it is, right? Undav is, is too short and he's too fat, uh, to play for Verter, right? <laughs> yeah. But um, he's not too I, short and fat to score on us. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, at the same team that um, uh, Lunin came from. Yes, uh, yeah, you're, you're right. Years ago, um, they're that team that's owned by Brighton. Um, the same guy that owns Brighton. They have a nice thing going over there, and I wish we would maybe look into whoever they're hiring, or maybe people we can steal from there, either from that, the Belgian team or the actual English team. The, the, yeah, the, the they higher... do interesting. They do interesting things, and we just stick with the same crap over and over. Well, it was the the hiring of Jans. Um, when I watched that happen, I thought, okay, I think they might they might get it. You need to find a club that's doing good things, then find the people that are making those good things happen, and and hire them. Um, that's that's because if you're going to remake this team. If you're going to remake this organization, that's what you're going to have to do. It's going to have to be from outside uh, and people that, you know, don't typically 
aren't aren't typically associated with a vertebrae, but they're doing interesting things that cause you to go, huh? You know what? Let's let's find let's find that guy. Uh, we've we've also right. got uh, we've also got Spivey on the line. I'm just going to mute you for a second here, Spivey. Sure. Um, and uh, I'm now I'll, I'll switch over to him if that's all right there, uh, Juan. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And sure. uh, I'll uh, I'll keep you guys on here if if you want to, and then uh, maybe we'll have an on air four way at the end of the show. Oh, I would love that. Get excited. Oh, I am. <laughs> Spivey, how is it going, man? Oh, not so bad. Nice. <clears throat> so question to you. And 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 granted, I, people don't maybe don't know this, but you're probably one of the uh, truthfully, you're you're in a great encourager on uh, on Discord. Every time somebody's commenting, you're either laughing or thumbs up or something. You're always interacting with people. So well done. Way to keep the conversation going there. <laughs> I mean, no, I just gotta do my part doing your part <laughs> what uh so your thoughts i can this club can this uh associate can this be salvaged um this is a two-part answer there uh short term coaching's the issue there um <clears throat> like it's been it's been brought up a couple times i think dustin or uh you might have brought it up we look pretty ass for the first uh 60 70 minutes of a game and then we look significantly better in the last portion when our subs who should be starting are coming in so i mean if our coach is like the money ball reference if we're playing the guys we should be i think we're significantly better and we probably pick up another three to three to six points over the course of the season so far sure well, and Juan makes a good point, and this was a point I was going to make as well. In those last 15 or so minutes, usually a team is up two or three, and they're starting to sit back a little bit more and defend, uh, giving us right. more of the ball. So it, it might be a little bit of an optical illusion. Uh, but but I don't think it is an illusion that you've got a player like Justin Jinma, uh, who has played minuscule minutes, uh, who finds himself with two goals on the season, uh, comparatively to some of the players that have got a lot more time, um, you know, and time... I guess goals per, per minutes or whatever. Um, Jinma is phenomenal. His XG is phenomenal. Um, you know, so the question there is that why is he creating opportunities uh, when our starters can't seem to do it? Right. And, and that right. might be something you're alluding to there as well, that a player like that should maybe be getting the start. Yeah. Yeah. Players like him, uh, Senny Lennon, uh, you know, demand should never be on the bench realistically. Um, oh, whoa, whoa, hey, load management, Spivey, load, yeah, yeah, load yeah. management. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we have guys like that. And then obviously if we're properly reintegrating Keta uh, into the lineup, that goes away too. You know, you can't just go, okay, well, he made a couple 30 minute stints. Let's throw him in and try and have him go full tilt. Right. Right out. <laughs> off an injury. You know, that's real good for a guy with uh, chronic leg injuries, I guess. Muscle sure. injuries. Yeah. Well, and I mean, when we talk about uh, with Kaita, an interesting situation there is going to be facing us here in the next little bit. So he's played what? I think 60 minutes for Verter now? Or no, he's played 80, I think. Something like that. It, it's yeah. it's under a full game, I think. Um, and they're not quite sure if he's going to be, you know, really pulling any heavy minutes for us until the new year. Interesting thing about the new year uh, is that in January, he's he's leaving. Uh, to play internationally uh, with his uh, with his net with his uh, with his club or his nation's uh, nation's team, right? Um, yeah. So the odds are that 
he is going to get paid by Verter, uh, get trained and back up to speed by Verter just in time to sh- to ship him out <laughs> to play right. to play continental football. <laughs> Ideal. Yeah, Small right. <laughs> so you said short term is a coaching change. What is your long term? So long term, I kind of like touched on it there in the Discord when going back with uh, back and forth with Sooner there. I think you know going back to the Lions, being you know Michigan guy and whatnot. We went from a proven front office guy who just absolutely decimated our team, much like you could argue Bauman and Fritz are doing. And then we brought in Brad Holmes, who is a guy who was, you know, basically what Fritz is now, a step below your GM type, who was hungry, wanted the opportunity. We put him in and he turned things around. You know, he started making the smart moves. That's what we kind of need to do realistically is get a guy like Jans in to a position where he's not got the experience, but he's got other front office experience and push us in the right direction. It might take a couple of years, but if you're making smart moves, it's going to make up for you financially. If you're making intelligent sales and purchases rather than going, Hey, let's grab this aging 30 something year old German. Who's right. got a lengthy injury and history and whatnot versus going and grabbing a player like Lennon and Demon who are younger and can produce, you know, they give us a couple good seasons, we can sell them on. You know, a Thomas Delaney type player we were bringing up cheap, sell them off for a profit. Well, and I guess uh, to your point earlier, in order for that to happen, they'd have to play. Yeah. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll unmute these other guys. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll go at her here for a few minutes and then we'll probably close out the show unless there's anybody else that wants to jump on, uh, while we've got this, uh, it's, it'll be a verb, I guess uh, it's not easy being green's very first four way on air. Um, (laughs) so, so now that we got the panel here, um, all right, so let's, uh, I'll do some, some, uh, kind of like bet on it or against it for you guys. How does that sound? Perfect. Awful. Uh, all right. Perfect. <laughs> Bet on it or against it. Ole Werner is the coach at the end of the calendar year. We'll start uh, with Paul. We'll go to Juan and then Spivey to clean up. I say he probably is. Is yeah, there any indication so. that they're going to get rid of him? They just keep making excuses for him. That's Juan? all I got to say. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah, Spivey. Yeah, uh, yeah. If if you remember my uh, sack race prediction, there, um, it's going to be like match day twenty seven time frame. Lord help us. All right, uh, Bremen will pick up at least three points before the end of the calendar year. Paul, uh, I'm going to say no. I think maybe one. Maybe one. Oh. <laughs> Juan. Uh, I'm looking. Um, They've I think, got, well, what, I think we're going to win one of the next two games. One of the next two? That's They always, yeah. they always get beat by Augsburg. They're not going to beat Red Bull. Who's the other team they're playing? Gladbach. Gladbach. Gladbach looks actually competent again. So, yeah, one point maybe if they can tie Augsburg. That's my opinion. 
there, Juan, you're going with yeah, three points. Yeah, it's gonna be. We're gonna like win or play extremely well in one of these last three games, and it's gonna give all a until <laughs> the, the fucking next calendar year. Damn you! And we're gonna get stuck with him. Like that. That's what's gonna happen. Another that's, four nil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Spivey, and then yeah. Bet, bet uh, against no. it. I'm gonna go against it. We'll get two points. We'll draw Augsburg and Gladbach. Oh, that's the outside lane right there being taken. All right, bet on it or against it. Last one, then we'll close it down for the day. Fritz will be Bauman's successor announced this spring. Paul. 1,000%. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who Juan. else is even in the running? <laughs> One trillion percent. <laughs> Spivey, can you outdo them? <laughs> no. No. As in you we'll don't think he's... Else. We'll find somebody else. Nice. Very, very. I hope so. Little bit Somebody's got to be there. All right. Better. Well, thanks, you three, for jumping on the call today. I really appreciate it. It's fun chatting with you guys. Honestly, uh, the Verter community has been so much fun just to get to know everybody just a little bit better. Uh, genuinely, we have absolutely... Uh, no other information on anybody other than you're a Verter fan. And that's literally good enough. And I love that about the community is that it doesn't require anything else. Just, are you a Verter fan? Yeah, cool. All right, let's, let's hang out. So thank, thanks you guys for calling in that, that made the, the show probably way less depressing for a lot of people to listen to. <laughs> it does help. Yes. Yeah, thank you for doing this. It is yeah, really you nice bet. To, to get this uh, every weekend. Um, well, it's uh, honestly, it's a labor of love some days and other days just labor. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, guys. Have yourself a great weekend. We'll chat with you again soon. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Take it Bye. easy, guys. Later. All right. So I do want to wrap up the show here. Um, just kind of talking about something that I wanted to. Yeah, there's, there's a thing I just kind of want to way back so we have to go we have to go in the way back machine uh when i first started the podcast um so we're talking i think 2017 18 or something like that i think i started in the back half of the season um i had made an observation as a young fan that that got me into a little bit of trouble uh with other fans of the club and i i had simply made the statement um that it would appear that there is a culture of relegation at the club uh this was um I think I first would have, I would have said it in 2016 because I'd been a fan in 2010 uh, and I I had had no connection. You had to remember this. I I had no connection to the glory days of the past. Um, I was simply assessing what I was seeing right in front of me. And and there's maybe someday I can go back over how I became a fan because sometimes people ask that. Um, But yeah, 2010, uh, no previous understanding of the glory years, uh, no concept. Um, and I was just assessing, like I said, what, what, what I was watching week in and week out, I was just kind of making an assessment. Um, what I was watching was, as I know it now, the managed decay of a club. So at, at the, at the time, the club kind of had just said goodbye to Schaff only three years prior to, to me making the, uh, the culture of relegation analogy. Uh, and they had burned through the Dutt era followed by Skripnik, Nuri. Um, and, and during that time, I had been writing this blog and, and 
only the year after uh, I kind of started experimenting with podcasting, but, but even then something just didn't seem right. Right. So the, the, the three managers that they blew through uh, after Schaaf, uh, they, they weren't great managers. Uh, they, they really didn't seem to bring the team on the field to a place of serious competitiveness. Uh, it was toothless kind of unimaginative football. There was hope. There was always hope, uh, but it, it never really uh, produced something. Um, and we also saw a kind of progressive managed decline of the product on the field. So players like uh, Mehmet Ekchi, uh, El Hero Elia, I like to make fun of every once in a while. Uh, they were kind of supposed to bring that needed change to get Werder back into the desire status. Um, and the outputs never really seemed to match the expectations that were there. And, and then in 2016, um, it, it, it happened and it, and it began to dawn on me that there was this whole other world operating at Verter that I hadn't even taken notice of before. And that was what was happening beyond the coach's chair, kind of off the field, uh, on weekdays in offices behind keyboards. Um, it was kind of that approximate time of, of Iheen getting sacked and this relatively unknown name to me uh, in, in Frank Bauman was put in his place. So I read up on him. Great player. Uh, but but there was really nothing about him outside of his playing career with Werder that indicated to me that he was qualified for the job. And so then I began kind of hunting around uh, and started to find that in this management class, this this alternate universe, there was this Werder Bremen old boys club. And, and this old boys club spent the majority of its time kind of high-fiving one another, talking about the old glory days, and promoting their friends to positions of authority. Uh, people like Boda, uh, who found places for people like Bauman and Fritz, with no serious qualifications. <clears throat> so, <sighs> culture, culture eats strategy for breakfast. I'm not talking about the club culture, you know, per se, the club culture that's, you know, they want to promote equality. They, they rally against racism, sexism. Uh, they're the kind of, the, I said before, they're active in the community. These are great things. Um, these are also things that are not a matter of competition. They're a matter of promotion, uh, education, lifestyle, uh, but they certainly aren't uh, a matter of competition. I mean, who are we competing against? Um, you can have a club, right? The club of Verder and have non-competitive, super familial culture, but you cannot translate that to a product like football. In football, there are winners and losers. There are levels and degrees of skill. There are, there are tactics, there are strategies uh, to make those things work together to win and winning makes the money to keep the engine going. Winning uh, in football is the only way your club, your, your, your club Verder stays afloat. And, and, and winning no longer seems to matter to Verder. Results no longer seem to matter uh, to Verder. It's not that they're not important, but they're, they're placed in a pecking order. Um, and it's at least below the ladder rung of the guy is a Verder legend. You can't fire him rung. <laughs> like what we've been watching over the last 10 years 
is a club where the only person you can fire who is truly responsible for the state of the team is the coach. And that's it. That's the only person you're allowed to fire. And, and even that <laughs> takes, takes such a long march to get there, but everybody else is fireproof. There, there is, and the thing that gets me is that we have these AGMs and you hear about, oh, the vision of Verta, we're going to have 500,000 members by, I can't remember what the, what the date was. It's just, it's comical. It's laughable because again, I, I repeat, who are we attracting? Um, but there's no strategy that they can put forward that's going to outperform the culture. Thomas Eichen had a few ideas, but he ran into the Verter culture and was bounced. Steiten no longer fit with the Verter culture. He was moved on. Thomas Schaff, for goodness sakes, found himself outside of the modern era of the old boys clique and was dismissed with dishonor. Um, and then we recently hired Jan. So we were talking about to do our scouting and it sounds like this summer didn't go the way he thought it would be, uh, or the way he thought it should go. Um, there is, there is frustration and bucking against a powerful few. And that is a tough career path. If every day you go into work, the ideas you want to implement are coming up against this wall. Um, that's just, nobody's going to spend a career that way. We have yet to kind of see. And I think, you know, some of the callers were alluding to this. We've yet to see what an ambitious, aggressive, and daring management can do. Simply because, well, we, we'll, never, we'll never see it simply because they will never be hired. Um, and if they do hire them, not allowed to stray too far from the, you know, the way it's always been done. And so the culture stays the same. So now the solution, I guess it, it would have been at the at the AGM, the solution has been cast down from on high. We're going to get an investor. We're going to get a strategic partner. Okay. What else changes? One thing you can learn about people is that the more money you give them, the more obvious their problems become. 70% of lottery winners end up broke. And it's because the majority of them had trouble managing small amounts of money. When you give them more, the problems simply get larger. So what happens, this, this is a scary scenario. What happens when we wipe the slate clean from this group? What happens when we inject money into this system? Boom, right? So to the fat cats in the penthouse, enjoy your legendary status. Enjoy your parties and your stories and your inside jokes. Enjoy seeing your old buddies on Monday morning when you casually joke about the weekend, completely overlooking the fact that the very heart of the old boys club was so thoroughly embarrassed and has been being embarrassed repeatedly over the last decade. Enjoy it. You've earned it. Go screw yourself. This is what I mean by a culture of relegation. And, and again, no strategy is going to, to, to beat that culture. We have got to, and as some of the guys already, uh, already pointed out, it needs to be blown up and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Juan, or sorry, Paul, this is a fan podcast. This is a fan that cares deeply, deeply about his club. I care so much that I have no problem not pretending like everything is sunshine and lollipops. 
When you want to talk about what a true relationship is with either an entity or an individual, it's having the ability to speak truth, to understand that not everybody is perfect, to give grace where that is, you know, where that needs to be done. But when there is a, a long list of problems, when you're hemorrhaging because of the same issues over and over again, somebody needs to say it. I mean, we can, we can look at the Verter community and find it is loaded. It is loaded with people that are willing to fluff, fluff buns and puff, puff smoke up the skirt. A lot of people. Every, everything's great. Everything. We just heard about how great Agu played. You know? Whoa, what a, what a performance. That's not helping. That's not helping the situation. There needs to be somebody, even if, even if I lose listeners, even if we lose people off Discord, even if people come at me and say, well, you're an idiot. You're not really a fan. We have got to have somebody out there that's willing to wave a flag and say, look, there's a problem over here. And I have no problem speaking for the people that feel that way. It's because I care. It's because I love this club that I will every week get on here if needs be and talk until there's not a single person listening anymore because it doesn't change the reality and the truth. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a reality and a truth. And this club has got to get their head around it. Next week, we'll have Christian back on board and things will get a lot more fun. <laughs> I, of course, always have Christian along with me uh, in the sound bites here. So, you know, we can, you know. Good luck with that, you fucking prick. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> anyway, that'll, <laughs> that'll do it for me today. Uh, I do appreciate those of you that listen live. Thanks, guys, for calling in. Honestly, it was great to listen to you, hear your voices. Um, and for those of you that managed it all the way to the end here, uh, congratulations. You probably deserve a prize of some kind. I didn't have a shout out to Salty. Thanks for joining us partway through. Always glad to have you here uh, on board. And as mentioned, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, there's the, the email address, not easy green at 2017 at gmail.com. Uh, and, or you can jump on the discord. I forgot to do the contest. Holy crap. I forgot to do the contest. Give me one second. Oh, geez. <laughs> and the sooner lock. Oh my God. Kate, we're going to have to really go through this real quick. All right. So Gepi's still in first 23 points, dirt 13, uh, 22 points in second place myself in third with 20. And I think that that's a typo because I, I can't, if you guys want to know how to cheat the system, I sent sooner a pick in like well after I sent my first one in and he gave me the points for it. So there's, so there's that. You can, you can give that a try. Uh, Spivey, 18. Aaron, 18 points in fourth place. Mark, Dr. Tim, King Ian, all in sixth place with 17 points. Uh, PJ, 16 points. Trent, 15. Liam, 14 in 11th place. So we move on to 12th place is sooner. In 13th, we've got Christian and Brian on 12 points. Matt, Dustin in 15th with 10 Condre, Mohammed, Verder VK, Juan, and Verder Wenger making up the back end of that tale. So there's where you land. Be sure to send your picks in before kickoff uh, every single game. And uh, yeah, and I completely forgot to do the, the sooner lock because those of you that are a little tight on cash, you're definitely going to want to know uh, what this is. So the lock for the Augsburg game. And of course, he put in here that he's not doing too he's not doing too bad on the locks. He said he's eight for eight. Uh, eight wins and four losses on locks. Um, so he's going to 
consider upping his bets so he can eat at the In-N-Out Burger instead of McDonald's. Uh, all right, so here we go. He's I'm trying to move away from the risk from the easier bets and take more risks with these. So this week, I'm taking a risk only a fool would make. I'm taking Verter to win. This is already the fourth time this season that Werder Bremen has played another relegation-type team at home with their backs against the wall, and Werder is 3-0 this season in those games. They beat Mainz, Cologne, and Union Berlin. Also, I think Werner is finally putting Stark back into the lineup and might even try a few new lineup things as well. This team has actually responded to its shambolic form away from home pretty well when they return to the Stadion. Also, Outside of last year's borderline unwatchable home loss to Augsburg, we've beaten them in every home match going back a few years. Historically, it's the game it's the games in Augsburg we tend to lose. Also, DraftKings, his sponsor, agrees with me that this is a pretty solid bet, as Werder is a decent betting favorite on this one, only getting plus 125 compared to the 175 from Augsburg. So there it is. Follow me at your peril. You lemmings. You better lock it up. You lock it up. Ooh, that's a big lock, all right. But if we're being honest, this is Augsburg, and oh, this is like we honestly, if we look at the teams coming up, this is the team we have to beat. I just they I believe they beat Frankfurt today. They're definitely not looking bad. <laughs> I think uh I think this is going to be a tough match. So yeah, there's your sooner lock for the week, a little bit more of a risky one. And uh, with that, I guess I will bid you adieu. Uh, thank you so much for your time, everybody. Those of you that listen to the show, find us on the discord, find us on Twitter and uh, yeah, let us know why you're a fan of Werder Bremen, get involved in the community. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll talk with you again next weekend when Christian is back from his booze cruise holiday and sooner isn't singing somewhere. We'll see you then. <laughs>